You're very welcome along. It's the gardening programme on this Saturday morning. Porrick, good, good morning. morning. Good morning, Teardra. Good morning, How listeners. are you after Great. that glorious week of sunshine? Yeah, it was lovely, wasn't it? Yeah, it's Absolutely. a little bit of a shock to the system almost ah, uh, to have the grey clouds back. But as we were saying earlier, you know, if this was a normal uh, Saturday, any other time or any other year, you'd say, oh, isn't it a great morning? <laughs> it's very <laughs> we're true. We're a bit spoiled. <laughs> it's perfect gardening yeah. weather, though. It's absolutely ideal. And, you know, I suppose part of me really welcomed that little bit of, of rainfall, those few heavy showers because it has freshened everything back up again. Even the lawns were beginning to struggle mm. now the last uh, couple of days, the last week or so, growth had started to slow down with that deficit of of, war, of moisture. So the bit of, bit of rain... Um, hasn't done any harm. <laughs> it hasn't, And actually. if people were putting in plants and stuff like that, exactly. rather than be out with the hose, which I know we don't want to be saying that we're out doing uh, watering, but it has to be done at the Absolutely, same time. Absolutely, you're dead right. Yeah. For people putting in new bedding plants or vegetable plants or newly planted plants, of course they're going, we're coming under that bit of water stress and there's nothing like the natural rainfall. Now with it brings, of course, um, I did mention last week that people should have used the dry weather to do a couple of jobs like, particularly in the vegetable garden, blight will be uh, a feature now over the next probably eight to ten days, particularly you mentioned there in the weather forecast humid weather, yeah. rainfall, temperatures above 16 degrees. That's the perfect type of climate and weather conditions for blight and, and many diseases. Yeah, and even when I was up, up first this morning, it was quite um, almost hazy, foggy, misty, that kind of you, Jew, the humidity, heavy you could see it yeah. literally in the atmosphere. Yeah, so when you get that high level of moisture in the air and, and uh, rainfall in particular, you know, my advice is really is take the, the snippets of dry weather and put on a blight treatment. Now, if you use the, the product I mentioned last week, the bare blight treatment, that's got a systemic action, which means that it's absorbed into the plant and will protect from within. So if you apply that, say, today, you shouldn't have to reapply for up to two to three weeks irrespective of the weather. Mm. So really use the, the snippets of dry weather to get any sort of spraying or, or um, fungicide. You know, people with roses in the garden, for example, things like Rose Clear or Rose Rescue should be used this time of year because this is typically... Uh, Fun, uh, fungus type weather, bacterial type weather and they spread on rainfall and humid weather. So potatoes in particular I would advise listeners if they're above the ground and growing strongly, which they are at the moment, now is time to put on the blight treatment you'll find with the bare treatment because it's systemic, it enters, it moves up into the new growth. So as we get a lot of new growth, it protects from within as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, but also roses should be treated now and any plants that may suffer from um, diseases like some of the fruit trees, it's a good idea that the finished flowering now, the fruit is beginning into form. So your apple trees, your your pears, your plum trees, a soft fruit like gooseberries, blackcurrants, the fruit is on the plants but it won't ripen for another four to five weeks. So this is a really good time to apply any sort of treatments. And again, you'll find the blight treatment can actually be used not just on potatoes, it can mm. actually be used on a wide range of plants to protect, particularly against fungal diseases. We often see mildew, for example, on maple trees during the summer. Now would be a good time to actually put an application on. So it's really about preventing the problems now. Now before um, we, we get into midsummer, um, other c- preventive things: carrot crops are doing really well. I mean, plants are really growing strongly at the moment. When you get those sixteen to twenty degree temperatures and the moisture that we've got, yeah. You've got the perfect conditions for a, a new surge of growth, as it were. So most of the vegetable plants are really doing well. So again, just keep an eye out for aphids on the back of cabbage and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts. Caterpillars will start to appear now uh, but in the middle of June. So keep an eye out for those. Flea beetle, which is one we often get on swades and turnips, which is a small beetle pest that actually attacks the foliage. And you get these pinhole size um 
holes appearing in the centre of the leaves, very uh, atypical of, of flea beetles. So it's a small shiny beetle, it attacks the foliage of Would the plant. Would you see the beetle itself? You won't actually, because it's interesting, as soon as you come close to the plant, or if there's any movement around, the beetle drops to the ground. Oh. So it's one of these guys, he's very hard to see, right. um, very shiny if you do get a glimpse of him, um, but he just attacks the centre of the leaves. You'll often see a lot of weeds been damaged. Um, Where does flea be? Willow, willow herb, for example, or red shank weeds, yeah. You'll see weeds in the garden with lots of little holes in the leaves. That's a sure sign there's flea beetle activity in the garden. Right. So they, they prey on weeds, weeds as well. Right. And when they're feeding on weeds, you actually can see the weeds become very stunted, curling up, you know, really typical of, of a lot of damage being done to the leaf. So they do control weeds, but obviously when you get them on suede and turnips and radishes and plants in the cabbage family in particular can be attacked by flea beetle. Flea beetle um, that can be damaging. So again, I suppose it's prevention. The super nemos do, do mm. a great job on those. They, um, and the temperatures now, because I mean, super nemos are something that only works at above certain temperatures. Above kind it? of 10, 12 mm. degrees, ideally 15 to 16 degrees, which is perfect at the moment. Super nemos, of course, are an organic method of controlling a whole range of um, vegetable pests in particular. So including things like flea beetle, caterpillars, uh, cabbage root fly, carrot fly, of course, which is the nemesis yes. of many of our carrot growers. So if you use the super neomos now, you'll find them very effective. This is their time, mid, mid-June, and they'll prevent and kill off any um, damage that might be occurring at the moment. So they're the couple of things I'd be doing. Um, again, it's great planting weather, Deirdre. You know, if people want to put in some vegetable plants, say some uh, peas or, or beans or um, a vegetable, you know, kale, for example. Yep. I see a question in on kale this morning, cabbage plants, salad crops. All of those can be sown from plants now, but also it's great from, for sowing seed. We've got the perfect temperatures, the moisture in the soil. Seed will, of any plant will germinate really quickly, as people will know with their weeds in the garden are popping up everywhere. But if you want to sow, say, some vegetable crops, now it's again a great time to sow things like Eskimo carrot seed or um, autumn cabbage, winter cabbage. Um, any of the salad crops can be sown from seed now. So you can do a combination of sowing plants, but also seed at this time of year because they, they germinate so rapidly. You've got the heat in the soil. After those three weeks of solid sunshine, there's it's like a, a storage mm. heater. The soil is ready to, to release that heat. So it's perfect weather for sowing seed. Thinking of plants like um, that are in flower at the moment, like delphiniums, poppies, lupins, all the cottage, the old foxgloves. Fox you were talking about the foxgloves. Yeah, I, I planted a few foxgloves and some hydrangeas uh, very nice, about a week yeah. and a half ago. And uh, they're coming along very nicely. Yeah, so... So they're going to flower very shortly? Well, oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're just starting. Sort of coming into flower now, yeah. yeah. Well, you take your foxgloves, for example, they're flowering in the wild everywhere at the moment. They were a big feature at Bloom and at Chelsea this year. So they're flowering at the moment. They're going to produce their seed in the next three to four weeks. So that tells you that June, July is the time to sow. Nat- nature is sowing seed. Yeah. So we should use the summer months to actually sow plants from seed. So if you want a really cheap way of getting... Uh, new plants, perennial plants in particular, this is the time of year to sow seed in the garden. So lupins, delphiniums, foxgloves, oriental poppies, geums, penstemons, all of those plants that we associate with cottage garden plants, you sow them from seed now, they grow during the summer months and they come into flower this time next year. Sure. Things like per, uh, wallflowers, the lovely scent of wallflowers should be sown from seed now, sweet williams, forget-me-nots, winter pansies. So there's so many plants mm. that we tend to associate the seed sowing with springtime, with February and March, you know, as we come into spring, spring yeah. and we have to be sowing them indoors and it's all that hassle. Whereas at this time of year, you've got the perfect conditions out of door. Nature is providing the ideal conditions for sowing seeds. So really, 
be it vegetables, herbs or flowering plants, it's a great time of year for sowing seed. It's also, speaking about seed, it's a great time to sow new lawns. So I see lots of activity in the last three weeks. People are rotating new lawns yep. or new bills. This is perfect weather at the moment. It's been a bit dry up to now. Great weather for getting the soil ready and preparing the areas. But now is the time to sow the seed of lawn seed. So if you want to put in a new lawn or you want to repair some damage in a lawn, this is the, the week to do it because we were promised a nice mixture of heat and, and rainfall. You're going to get perfect germination conditions. Now, I've actually put a fact sheet, a how-to sheet, up on my Facebook page this morning and on my Twitter page. So okay. at Pori Corkin or Pori Corkin on Facebook. So for listeners that are thinking about sowing a new lawn or that are family and friends that are thinking about putting a new lawn, go onto the Facebook page or the Twitter account and you'll be able to download a fact sheet on just the steps in preparing a good lawn. And I mentioned some of the fertilizers and seeds you can use, sow there. Um, lastly, we have a, a chap called Kieran Burke. Oh, right. Who comes to us from the garden school in Galway. So Kieran is an ex-colleague in the Botanic Gardens. He studied in the Botanic Gardens a little bit later than I did. Right, okay. <laughs> so he's of a younger generation. Um, and Kieran is going to come to Turlock, to the Turlock Garden Centre tomorrow at 3pm. So it's on Sunday at 3pm. And he's going to talk, it's a free talk, uh, for about an hour, an hour and a half on adding instant colour to your garden. And Kieran uh, gardens organically, himself and his wife Hannah, they are garden organically in Galway. And they give lots of talks um, and run a garden school there um, and um, he'd be well worth coming along to listen to so that's 3pm Sunday if you're interested in adding instant colour to your garden and he'll give you some tip, hints and tips on gardening organically Okay. Uh, so lots of great ideas so, so you can just pop along to that you can or, just yeah. pop along at 3pm on Sunday it's a free gig in our centre in Turlock in Castlebar and uh, so people are more than welcome to come along Okay and now you see I suppose the thing is that we're able to sit out in the garden maybe because the weather is as good as it is so we are noticing where things are lacking somewhat Absolutely. rather than you know the usual Whiz by and go. Oh, I must attend to that. But when you're actually sitting out looking at it, exactly, you kind of go, oh, I really and people have to are. That. They have been so enjoying the garden. Perfect opportunity. Really. Yeah. And you know, with bloom and everything, there's a huge interest in in um, sitting out and enjoying the garden and planting instant colour. I mean, we, again, we've got the perfect conditions, mm. weather conditions for doing that. So a, there's a really great sense. And this week in particular is going to be you're looking at the long range forecast. It's going to be ideal planting conditions, sowing of seed. Um, you know, getting plants back into the ground, even trees and shrubs and hedging plants. The, with the moisture we're going to have now, it'll be perfect planting conditions. Okay. It's also a good time for feeding if you if you need to. The lawns, if for in particular, are, yeah. have, have if they're a bit on the yellow looking bit, side, yeah, or plants that are maybe hungry. If you haven't fed your hedging or trees, or you want to give plants a little bit of a boost, again, applying fertilizers this time of year, you're getting really the best use out of them because right. plants are actively exactly. growing. They're taking up a lot of nutrition. Same with hanging baskets, window boxes, containers. This is the time of year now to start feeding them every fortnight with a liquid feed and you're boosting on that growth and flower as well. Okay, great stuff. Now, I know we have a number of questions in already. I just wanted to wish all the tiny towns uh, groups yeah, this, this morning. Yeah, this is their time Because I know judging has started, I think, over the last week or okay. so. So Pressure is on. The pressure is on. <laughs> I know this tiny town group in my own spot that have been working very diligently, but it's everywhere and huge effort being put in by communities. Yeah. Um, so just and to, and to wish everybody the best of luck. Yeah, it, it is, I, absolutely. I see it in the term 
Turlock mm. community in the Turlock village the guys have done fantastic work I mean it's a relatively small village in Turlock where the garden centre is situated um, and we got involved with um, Charlie Shaw and his team to, to do up the hanging baskets mm. for them this year as a sponsorship but really just to see the way the committees the amount of time that volunteers give uh, to picking up litter rebuilding old stone walls the planting of trees and shrubs in the in the, in the villages and mm. it really brings that whole sense of community together so it, yeah it does um, and I suppose maybe because we are fortunate in that we are having so far anyway a nice couple of weeks yeah. uh, that it does spur one on a little bit more but it's all about organisation as well and uh, a huge like it's not something that just happens overnight yeah. although I know those with the window boxes and the hanging baskets do uh, seem to appear sometimes they overnight do. but they've been growing weeks for quite a planning. long time yeah. weeks of planning um, so to everybody who's involved in the Tidy Towns efforts right across the region the very best of luck over Absolutely, the next couple of yeah. weeks and if you're not and you see a bit of litter or whatever will you please do your bit and you pick it up you took the words out yeah. of my mouth exactly <laughs> everybody can contribute rant and, rant over <laughs> and even just around your own house and yeah. keep things just tidy just keep things nice and tidy because it, it does lend to the overall effect yeah. for but a given area but even passing through a village where you can see that pride it's, doesn't it make know, you want to stop it does yeah. and, and I, I've actually slowed down now myself going through Turlock Village to admire yeah. the planting and to admire the stone walls and just to take that whole sense in it's really nice it's great to see it. Okay, so Tidy Towns groups, we've got well our fingers crossed for you yes, collectively. Yes, absolutely. Okay, let's take some questions. About five years ago, I was given a present of a hybrid sapling laburnum and broom combined. It's now mm. 10 feet tall. Great. And ver- it seems very healthy. I feed it every spring with chicken manure and potash. The problem is that it has never flowered. Once or twice, it showed a tiny flower, but nothing more. What's wrong, asks Tom. You'll have to tell us about a hybrid sapling laburnum well, first, first of all. The answer to the question is Tom has just been too good. Too generous. Too it's good. Too cushy. Too, exactly. <laughs> the, the it's burning. happy out. I think he actually said it in his own question there. The, it's doing very well. Right. It's doing too well. It's 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 on a, a high uh, feed diet at the moment. So it's it's actually growing too well and too uh, luxurious. It's not going to flower. It feels no stress. It feels no pressure. Right. It's sitting back there and it's really putting on lots of growth. It's a inter- very interesting plant, actually. It's, it's a plant I don't think we have ever mentioned. I, I can't and say that I've ever heard of it now. It brings me right back to, to uh, my, my time in, in the Botanic Gardens mm. where I came across this plant first. It's called Adam's Laburnum. And it's a, it's a grafted plant, a hybrid plant. It's a mixture between a laburnum mm-hmm. and a broom. broom right. So Cythesis is the broom, the common broom we'd see flowering in gardens. <laughs> and laburnum is the lovely golden rain tree that we've seen. They're both in the pea family, the leguminosae family. So they, say, they share a very similar cell structure. So when you graft the two of them together, mm-hmm. on typically of, say if we graft two cherries together, you tend to get one dominant cherry. You tend to get Prunus canzan or Prunus cherite as the dominant, the white or the yes. pink, grafted onto wild. But with laburnum and, and broom, and when they're mixed together, when they're grafted together, their cells actually intertwine. And you end up with this, not a freak plant, but of a hybrid plant of the, the two plants, the two parentages, coming together to produce a plant that produces both yellow and purple flowers. How interesting. It's a very interesting plant, yeah. But it's a very unusual Tom's plant. The difficulty is that it's not producing flowers at all. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's called Adam's 
laburnum because it was grafted by a, a great nurseryman called, his surname was Adam, in 1825. Okay, so it's not something that's just occurred no. in recent times. No, I did have to look that up this morning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't that on the tip of my tongue. Did you not? We, but would, it is, we would have got away with it if you it is a didn't plant say that. <laughs> I remember for, from 20 years ago and um, it's an unusual plant um, and very spectacular when it's in flower because you've got this tree with Sounds incredible. bright yellow flowers and then these unusual broom-like flowers as well on the same plant. So that's Labernocytisus is the botanical name for it. Um, Adam's Laburnum or often called yeah, broom Laburnum um, and it's that hybrid. Now what to do with it is stop giving a chicken manure only give it sulphate of potash. So he's applying chicken manure every spring and with most pea plants they dislike too much heavy fertiliser. The more you feed them So that's got more nitrogen in it. Really, There's more it? nitrogen exactly You're, and, and as we know, plants in the pea family fix their own nitrogen. So they don't need nitrogen. You're actually giving it too much food, too much energy. No wonder it's growing 10 feet tall. Um, What it needs is neglect. It needs a little bit of hardship. And you do that by applying sulphur of potash on its own during the summer months. Two applications of of sulphur of potash. Because there's no nitrogen in that, you strictly got pure K, pure potash, which slows down the growth in plants and induces them to flower. It's only five years old. It's great that it's grown so well over the five years now is the time to keep it on a really strict diet um, only give it sulphur of potash and I guarantee you when it comes into flower it'll be very spectacular so that'll be flowering for next year next year yeah Okay. Next year. Yeah, we'd love to hear back on that. that yeah, Laburnus like this really is really new plant. And it's, it's kind of a hard, not that it's a hard plant to graft in that, but it's actually a plant that's difficult to get now. And is that because it is an older type flower? You know that. It's, no, it's just, it's just that it's it's probably not so just, a, just it's not unusual, just a popular. Okay. It's not one you know. It's not like our typical cherries or a typical laburnum yeah. or it's just an unusual plant okay. and uh, nurseries tend not to grow it that much. It's actually one I'm going to check out now when I go yeah, back. Yeah, we're all intrigued. Anyway, <laughs> I'll have to get it in stock. Tom, good luck with that. Now, um, somebody's mm. got a Rosa rugosa rose um, right. and a Hecura, and they're wondering can they move them now? Uh, it's in the way of building work that's going on. Okay, well look at Rosa Rugosa is one of the toughest we often call it the the, the um, it's a shrub rose really or a wild rose um, so it's really really tough. Now this is not the time for transplanting any plants. Having said that if you've got to move it, my advice is to cut it back to about 6 to 8 inches from soil level. So it's in flower at the moment so mow it completely back. It's probably 4 or 5 feet high. So cut it back within uh, a foot to eight inches of ground level dig it up with as much soil as possible and transplant it all the one go the pieces that you cut off you can take cuttings from those now yes. so if you take some soft cuttings um, they'll root very easy Rosa rugosa is one of these plants that root very very easily from small little cuttings about the length of a biro strip off the leaves they're very thorny so a good pair of rubber gloves yeah, when you're doing careful. it and take off any flowers and put them into a pot with perlite and uh, compost cover them with a polythene bag they should root in a three-week period at this time of year. Um, so as a precaution, take some cuttings, but also move the plant by trimming it back very severely, transplanting it all in the one go, give it a good watering. It's a real old tough plant and does transplant relatively well, um, even though it's not the time of year. Ideally, it should be moved to November. Uh, but if the building works are proceeding and the rose is in the way yeah. and you've got to move it, well, then mow it really tough, hard back take some cuttings, transplant it straight away, put it down at the same original level, put down some fresh compost with it um, and that should be fine. The heuchera, again, it's not the time of year to be moving. Heuchera is a herbaceous plant that's grown for its lovely purple or orange foliage. It's a relatively easy plant to grow as well. Again, if you must lift it, 
then again remove some of the foliage from the plant just shear it back it's only a small plant anyway and again transplant it all in the one go and give it a good washing it should be fine now talking about cuttings actually this is the time of year um, to take cuttings I was showing the people at Bloom um, how to take cuttings from things like simple things like trailing petunias or agaranthemums or just soft uh, cuttings even from your favourite shrubs Mm. some lovely shrubs in flower for example Wigelia is in flower at the moment with its bright red flowers so if you're passing your neighbour's plant and it's in flower or in a particular garden this is a great time to take small softwood cuttings so cuttings again about about the length of a biro a little bit thinner than a biro strip off the leaves and flowers dip them in a bit of rooting powder and they root very readily at this time of year because they're young they're vigorous there's you know nice strong green growth Mm. in them them. and you tend to, they tend to root within a two to three certainly within a month plants will root from cuttings even common roses can be propagated from cuttings so lots of opportunity there yeah, I just to have to think there my wife gave me two cuttings to uh, propagate and they're not done two days ago and they're sitting on the potting bench <laughs> I get that tackled if I were you now today. Okay, and a person oh, has shrubs go. in their garden and they no longer want uh, them there. They can't get a mini digger in to shift them. Okay. Uh, they're wondering, can they, they put something on to kill them now or later on? I suppose we're not entirely sure what shrubs they what are. Shrubs they are. So they want to get rid of. Yeah. Well, what you can do is is cut them hard back, just back to a, within a couple of inches of, of ground level and put on a brushwood treatment. So something like the SBK that I often mention for mm. the mare's tail and the Japanese knotweed. So SBK or Roundup Brushwood Killer or Root Treatment. You can get a particular variety, uh, type of Roundup that's specifically for the killing of root stumps. So cut back to a, a stump, I suppose. Cut the branches really tight back. Dump the top foliage and uh, just treat the stumps and the roots will die away in. And many plants anyway, like say hebes, once you cut them really severe back, they won't regrow again. Right. Certain shrubs like Hypericum berberus will regrow again. Fuchsia will regrow oh. again if you cut it back. So depending on what the shrubs are, but putting the SBK treatment on or, or stu- um, a stump treatment onto the remaining stumps will kill them off. Now, a question about rabbits and hares. A listener is pestered by them lying right. on the front lawn at night. <laughs> All their droppings are there in wildlife. the mornings. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, when mm. they lie on the grass, big bald patches appear. Is there anything they can do to get rid of them? They also eat the rose bushes yeah, and the listener is in Claremorris. So oh, okay. we, we feel for you. And they will. People often yeah. think with roses because they're prickly, they won't attack them. But of course, when rose growth is, is soft, it's very, the, the, the um, spikes in them are, are very soft as well. Else, just yeah, anyone up. who has got rabbits around them, I think they know they're not that selective if, no, it's, if it's young at all. No, it'll, now, there are a list of plants that, that <clears throat> um, you can <clears throat> plant, like buddleias. There's a whole list, if you just Google, that are rabbit-proof or rabbit-dislike. Um, so many plants have sap in them that the rabbits dislike, and, and that's certainly a help. Um, you can use the, the grazers pro- product, yeah, which is, is particularly on plants you want to protect. I remember a garden I visited a couple of years back. They had lavender, I think I told you the story before, growing a hedge of mm. lavender. And the chap had treated half of it with the grazers and ran out. And so it was, oh, you know... interesting experiment. Yeah, uh, but yeah. The, the, where, where he treated it was absolutely perfect and beautiful and um, in flower. And the other half of the la- uh, lavender even, hedge was mowed right down, down to the base yeah. with the hares and rabbits. So it does work. So grazers is a very safe product to use on your favourite plants to stop rabbits, hares, deer, pigeons eating the foliage. Um, it contains calcium, which 
rabbits dislike the taste of. Um, and I thought that was a really classic example of it working really well. You know, without the grazers, I mean, it's a matter of netting out, you know, netting out the area. Or planting, oh, yeah, covering over covering whatever it, it is. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I, that's a bit of a laborious task. It sure yeah, is. Yeah. So grazers is specifically for stopping grazing animals like rabbits, hares, pigeons and so on, eating your favourite garden plants and it can be used safely on vegetables and on uh, ornamental plants. Now, I have a standard cherry blossom. The leaves have curled tight and are black inside. The okay. same thing happened to my laburnum, says Mary. Okay, well, you've got a bit of pest damage there and that's typical of... of um, Cherries are attacked by a, an aphid called the black bean aphid, which actually moves from cherry trees to your bean crop. So it's one to just watch out for. They they were probably attacked back in April as the leaves start to emerge in April, um, and and the aphids will have migrated from that now onto a, a bean related. Um, so if you grow broad beans or French beans in the garden, they tend to move to those. So at this time of year, there's nothing really that can be done. Mm. Give the, the cherry a good feed. It'll start to come into growth again. The foliage that has been damaged has been damaged anyway. My advice really is for next spring to apply a um, what you could do in the winter actually is put on a winter wash, which will remove any eggs of oh. the black bean aphid yeah. off the tree. So apply that in November, December, January or February. Um, that's a winter wash which cleanses down the tree. Put that up both on the laburnum and on the cherry. And next spring then, just as a precautionary spray, you could put on something like PY spray just to stop the aphids coming out. So it's black bean aphid. The damage occurred in April. And does that also attack the laburnum as well? It can do. Right, okay. Uh, now, curly, green curly kale. Um, right. Somebody's wondering, can they plant it still from seed or is it too late in the season? Um, any particular types would you be able to suggest that are better for autumn and winter use? Okay, well, curly kale gen- gen- generally is used in the winter. It's an mm-hmm. autumn, winter, spring vegetable. It's extremely hardy. It'll withstand frost to kind of minus six, minus eight type of thing. Okay. So it's a really good autumn, winter and spring vegetable. Yes, you can sow the seed now and most winter vegetables, this is the time of year, June, July, early August, the time to sow the seed um, from them. Having said that, you can actually still get plants of curly kale at the moment. So you can plant those now. They will give you a crop for the late summer, autumn period and then the seed you sow will follow on from that. Um, so there's plenty of really good varieties. There's a nice one, uh, dwarf uh, green curled, which is a dwarf variety of uh, curly kale. It only grows about two feet in height. It's two feet in, w- in width, so it's quite good for exposed open areas. Mm. Um, and that's a quite a good variety. But again, pop into your local garden centre. This is the time of year for sowing seed of kale. Yeah. Autumn cabbage, winter cabbage, winter cauliflower, uh, winter carrots, all of those are sown from seed from over the next six to eight weeks. Now we've got some potatoes doing really well in the garden. Great. Some are beginning to flower. Should okay. I feed again and also what blight spray is best? Yeah, well, with the week, week of weather, we've mentioned the blight mm, already, so yeah. I think we're quite clear Maybe, on yeah. what to do on that. And my advice is really to treat them. But also with feeding, this would be a good time of year to give potatoes and hungrier vegetable crops like cabbage and so on an extra uh, feed. So again, something like the Vitex Q4 or a traditional uh, garden fertiliser like Growmore would be fine. Just sprinkle it along the the, bay, the drills. The rain that we're going to get over the next uh, week or 10 days will wash that in perfect. So it's a great time to actually give the potatoes a bit of a boost. Now, I've cut back my daffodils halfway down the stem mm. about three weeks ago. Great. Do I cut them back right to the bottom now? I have fed them a few times since 
Um, so what's, what's so the you've best done everything right. Absolutely yeah, perfect. You're going to have brilliant daffodils <laughs> next year. <laughs> you've built them up for next year. Look at get the garden rake and just rake off the, the uh, old foliage. It'll come off very very easily. So there's no need to cut them back per se. A good raking will actually remove the foliage now and tidy them up, and and that's the job done. The daffodils can be just left there until next, next spring. spring. Um, Hanging baskets you planted for me at the recent demo are doing doing really well. Great. Uh, very full now and they're starting to flower. So the question is, should I hang them up now or give them another few weeks? And how often do we add the food? <laughs> right, well, <laughs> depending on well, how well... I mean, if they're kind of flowing out of the basket and coming down halfway down the basket, then yeah, you could start planting them up now or hanging them up now. Maybe give them... I would be inclined to give them another week or so and maybe another week or 10 would days. You, yeah, yeah in the I'd sunny say we're spot. all tempted when, we're, when the weather's so when, nice that yeah, we put them out. Exactly, but give them about maybe another week. Um, continue to liquid feed them every ten days to fourteen days, and and br- bring them on for another week or two. I think um, my own baskets are still sitting in the in the tunnel, and they'll sit there for at least another two weeks. Right. I was late planting them, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, any time from from now on, really. But I would give them another week and let them grow on a little bit more, and then hang them up. Okay. Now, you mentioned sweet rocket plant last week. Um, this listener has it in their garden in white and oh, it's lovely. heavenly scented. It is. Can, uh, they get it in other colours. Yeah, it comes in pinks and shades of purple as well. And again, you could sow the seed at this time of year. It's a plant called Hesperus or Wild uh, Sweet Rocket. Mm. Is it? And it gets its name because of the lovely sweet scent. It's scented like stock. Um, so you sow the seed now you can buy purple varieties pink varieties or white varieties sometimes they come mixed as well mm. so again local garden centre ask for Hesperus, Hesperus. or sweet, sweet Rocket seed and uh, this is the time to sow it to so, flower next yeah, year uh, yeah they, they, they were wondering when so yeah. um, now is the time now is the time to sow the seed absolutely okay. I live in the Knock area I had a lot of moss in my garden I put down the sulphate of iron over okay. a month ago right. it's gone all black so I raked out as much as I could okay. and I'm missing a little bit of the text but I'm guessing is what do we do next okay well <laughs> I mean sulphate of iron has that effect on moss it does blacken the, the moss um, the listener's done exactly the right thing they've raked out any dead moss now is the time to reseed so if there's areas bigger than the size of a saucer, so if they're more than six inches in diameter, you need to reseed. So simply mix some lawn seed, some compost together in a barrow or in a bucket mm-hmm. and spread it onto that area. The rain and dew at night time will wash it in and um, will th- that seed will germinate within a two or three week period. The other thing you could do is to feed the lawn. Get the lawn back into good condition, get it to fill in any bare patches so you're helping to avoid the moss problem again next autumn. So give it a feed of something like Park and Fairway um, to give it a nice green colour and to get it to fill in the bare patches. So reseed and feed the lawn. And remember coming into the autumn as we slip into August and September, people should start thinking about putting on the zero or one of the uh, moss treatments to prevent moss being a problem. Remember how big a problem it was this spring. Yeah, uh, yeah. so to keep on top of it. If you've got, got it rid, your lawn rid of moss, then stay on top of it. Or if we come into a wet period, say in July and August, it's a good idea to put on an application of zero just to keep the moss at bay, to nip it in the bud. It also adds as a bit of a tonic to the lawn. It gives a nice green colour as well. Or if people have bits of the zero left in a can, yeah. then reuse it in you know, the next kind of wet period we get reapply it and that'll just help to keep the moss at bay. Great stuff. 
can you advise on planting apple and plum and pear trees and some berry plants okay. uh, now the area to cover is 30 to 40 square metres at the bottom of a garden okay so yeah that's a really nice size. area yeah. yeah and you can certainly do that do a mixture of uh, fruit areas it were with a mixture of different planting what's often a nice idea is to have plants like trees or uh, apple trees pear trees and plum trees underplanted by other fruits so for example you could have an apple tree growing mm. have a clean stem for about two feet and the uh, so you get this kind of lollipop apple tree shape yeah. and then underplant with plants like rhubarb strawberries or blueberries that are relatively low growing oh, low so right. rhubarb will grow whatever two and a half maybe three feet high so it'll grow halfway up the it'll grow up, up the bare stem but your apple tree would be above that so it's often a good use where you're confined to a small area also with the types of trees to pick is important so make sure that you go varieties varieties that are on relatively small rootstocks so for example the coronet apple trees are dwarf rootstocked uh, apples so they only grow to about six or seven feet in height they grow to about four feet in width so they are very manageable and very easy to pick the fruit from them very easy to prune them and pruning is done with a very light pruning done on them um, but they're, they're a lot more manageable than some of the more vigorous apple trees um, plums tend to be vigorous by their nature varieties like Victoria and Opal plums need more space so consider those when you're planting them they take up, they need to be spaced about 12 to 15 feet apart because they make large trees mm. um, so go for a selection of, of um, apples Go make sure you go for a mixture of different varieties so they'll cross pollinate underplant them then with things like strawberries or rhubarb or blueberries which it makes a nice addition and um, go for maybe two varieties of pears and maybe two varieties of plum. plums and um, you know all the gooseberries blackcurrants they can all be planted this time of year and very very simple to grow okay, so yeah, a good time to plant them mix of stuff there. you will and you'd even if by planting now you'd have some fruit next year right you know okay. so particularly the, cor- the uh, coronet apple trees their fruit is very young plants um, I was actually in a garden in Westport only a couple, uh, last week uh, where we planted apples about three weeks ago and there's fruit on them already ah oh, okay <laughs> so and the listener was asking well, should I take the fruit off so I said, no, you know, yeah. enjoy a couple of apples this yeah. year from them. Yeah. But so, yeah, a great time to plant fruit in general. Um, go for the dwarfing varieties like the cornets and uh, to consider underplanting then with other fruits. So you're making the best use of the space. OK, lovely. We have a couple of questions in relation to laurels. Now, first of all, one that is problematic. Gronia asks, uh, she's a laurel hedge planted in November. It's doing poorly. The wind damage over the winter and now lots of brown bare stems. So wondering, should she cut off the damage? Yes. And what food should she use to boost them? So trim them, trim off any damaged uh, growth. Newly planted laurels should also be tipped back. So even if they're growing really healthy or some really healthy shoots, take about an inch or two of the growth off the laurel hedge and that applies to healthy hedges as well so if you've got newly planted laurel it's a great idea and a great time of year to tip it back to trim back the tops of the plants because by trimming back the tops we encourage the plant to produce side stems and it becomes a bushier fuller plant uh, rather than lopping off a foot at the end of the summer yeah. if you only take an inch or two off now you're challenging challenge channeling channeling the growth into a multi-stemmed plant yeah. so you'll end up with a nicer fuller, fuller bushier laurel hedge yeah. rather than something lanky so any dead wood any damaged wood take that off feed them now with something like Osmo Pro 6 which is a very very good granulated fertiliser perfect weather for getting it on and do tip back 
any of the new growth as well, temp it back and that'll be fine. Great. Somebody wondering, did the scaredy cat plan to work with the cats? Uh, we mentioned, they heard it mentioned recently. We did, we mentioned, I mentioned yeah, it last week. Work, yeah. well, we, I gave one to you. Yeah, yeah. I gave one had, to Teresa. We, we have done, we uh, had a discussion this we have morning. done <laughs> trial and testing on scaredy cat, all right. So, so how did you get on? It's, I got on okay. My cat seems to have gone away. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, Teresa, but Teresa's cats, I think, um, I don't know, maybe they're hardier. <laughs> well, she was telling me this morning, she tried the pepper dust. Yeah. She's tried the the uh, the, uh, pe- the scare the pellets to scare them off. Right. None, none of them do work. And poor old scaredy cat hasn't worked either. So yeah. She still I, has her cats. I noticed the most effective thing, um, and I know this is somewhat tongue-in-cheek, is if you have a dog... <laughs> <laughs> I know when our do- the dogs visit my house, that cat goes over Good, the fence right. very quickly. Yeah, but anyway, the scaredy cat, though, I do. Th- I do. Th- I think it might have deterred it somewhat. Right, but we'll, should we we'll get see, a progress yeah, report next we week? We get a progress see report. See how, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, moving along. Basil leaves. How yes. to grow basil leaves? This person loves fresh basil okay. for pizzas and lasagna. Lovely. Now they've tried it before in a pot, but it shriveled away, and that's a thing that I think that's something that people do have a challenge with in it Ireland. Is. Well, it's a very, it's a very, very soft plant. Right. Uh, basil, it, the slightest bit of wind, the slightest bit of chill, even the change in weather at the moment, if you have a growing outside, is going to set it back. It's a plant that needs to be grown indoors and in a bright windowsill. It grows so simply from seed. So if you get a packet of seed, there's a lovely variety called Crimson King, which is a purple, dillisk-like coloured uh, basil. So it's purple foliage. Same basil taste, but really nice. And if you mix it actually with the green, just as a colour contrast, it works really well. So I've been inclined to do, to sow the seed at this time of year, just sow it in a pot, mm. cover it with a little bit of cling film, sit it on your windowsill, your kitchen windowsill. It'll germinate within two weeks and it'll be ready for picking within four to six weeks from sowing from seed. So it comes from seed very, very easily. Keep it for maybe a month, chuck it out and start a fresh batch of seed again. So keep basil fresh. So you kind of need to keep growing it really. all the time, you do. right? I I mean, that's and maybe that's where we all fall down. In that, you know, I suppose it's like if you put parsley, if you grow parsley in a pot, so easy, and yeah. it's so easy, and yeah. it comes on, and it comes on, it does, and it's there, and you don't really need to worry about yeah. it. But basil is a different kettle it's of fish. It's a more sensitive plant to weather. It's not a long-lived herb. Um, if you've got a tunnel and greenhouse, yeah, you'll grow that a little bit more successfully right. because you've got the protection and shelter. But on a kitchen window, keep it as a short-term. Uh, crop or herb and keep sowing fresh seed all the time. So have a bit of a rotation going yeah. on. Now I, I, again at Bloom I was showing people how to freeze it. It's a great idea to take basil wash it, chop it up and then put it into ice cubes and freeze it and those ice cubes then dump them into a, a plastic bag and store them in your freezer and then you've got fresh basil on demand whenever you want it which is a great way of having it as well and nothing like the ice cube to keep it perfectly it's frozen fresh so it couldn't be any fresher when you reuse it again so um, so look at, sow the seed now on a windowsill, cover it with the cling film they'll germinate very easily, a packet of seed will cost you a couple of euro, you'll have it for the whole summer mix the varieties, try that Crimson King with one of the green varieties as well and um, you know it's easy to grow but see it as a short term herb and grow it indoors on your windowsill that's really my advice Great, now how do we kill off rhododendrons? Well, all rhododendron, ponticum, the wild rhododendron, and it is, it is a bit of a scourge in, oh, yeah, in certain parts it's a, of the well, country. It's an invasive species, Yeah, it really. is, absolutely. What you do is you cut it back to a couple of inches from ground level, so again, you know, within a foot from soil level, and again, treat the stems, the bark, with the SBK brushwood killer or with the um, any, any brushwood killer or root treatment will kill off um, rhododendron stumps. Stop. 
as it were. You can cut it back as well and let it regrow if you wish mm-hmm. and treat it as well within a within a month or six weeks. But you'll find the uh, root stump treatments very effective on killing rhododendron. Sweet pea seeds, if I sow them now, will they flower this year or is it too late? It's really a bit too, unless oh, we get a really, really nice autumn. I would, you, you can still actually get sweet pea plants. Mm. So they've been sown a month ago. So they're about six inches, eight inches high now. If you plant those, they'll flower in August, late August, September. Lovely. From planting now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the seeds, it's really gone a bit late. To be honest, you, a good idea is to actually sow the seed of sweet pea around August, September for the following year. Right. So you actually, they, they germinate before autumn, they grow during the winter and they are frost hardy so you can actually plant them out and leave them in situ if you wish or put them into a tunnel for the winter and then plant them out next spring for, for early okay. colour. You'll have actually sweet peas in flower in late May, early June by doing them that way. But look for some of the plants. The plants are still available in garden centres so sweet pea plants, plant them now. I always advise adding some organic matter so if you've old garden compost or um, farm manure, putting that into the into the trench first of all and then plant the sweet peas and they'll do really well. Now I love the beefsteak big tomatoes. Can we grow them here in Ireland and what other types can I plant now? You can grow them if you've got a greenhouse or tunnel, they, they'll do They probably uh, well. need space, do they? Well, no, they actually grow the same height, right. um, a little bit more vigorous than the ordinary, but similar height they'll grow kind of five, six feet. They just produce the big, thick-skinned uh, tomatoes. Less fruit, obviously, than, than your traditional type, so you tend to get maybe a dozen beefsteak uh, tomatoes on a plant. Mm. Um, there's a good variety called Roma, R-O-M-A, which yep. is a, produces really large, um, fleshy uh, um, beefsteak type tomatoes. But there's lots of other good varieties available and you can still plant tomatoes now. So if you plant the plants, the plants will be about a foot high at the moment. Mm. Um, certainly by late August, September, the fruit will be ready to pick. Now, uh, somebody's got a fungus growing on a boxwood. Well, it, it could be a fungus, it could be algae, or it could be a fungus, but it also could be um, white aphid, which leaves a white deposit. Uh, which, so when you look at the plant, it's like it's got a fungus because the deposit looks like a fungal growth mm. on the actual tips of the plant. So just check it a little bit closely to see, is it, I, I would guess it's white aphid, which is an aphid, is, a, is an insect. It leaves that white deposit on the foliage. Um, the f- leaves will be sticky to touch, and you'll actually see the aphids moving. And if it's those, then you can put on the PY spray, which will get rid of them straight away. And generally, boxwood suffers from that white aphid anyway. You can take it that they get it anyway. So put on the PY spray, that'll get rid of it. Um, If it's an algae, then you can use something like um, top box, which is a fungicide and a feed, and that eliminates any diseases as well. Again, if the listener wants to take a picture of it, maybe, email it to me. Um, Again, go onto my Twitter account or onto my... um, Facebook and you can send me a picture and I'll have a closer look at it. Excellent. Now, potatoes are in a tunnel. The leaves are getting brown spots like something is eating it from the inside. It doesn't appear to be blight. Well, you and blight shouldn't affect them in the tunnel. Uh, generally, mm. you know, when they're grown in a greenhouse and taller, and particularly this year with such a dry year, the blight isn't a, a problem at the moment. It, it could be just simply a, a pest damage. Um, it could be flea beetle that we talked about at the top of the yeah. programme. They will tag potatoes and leave holes uh, typical holes in the centre of the leaves. Again, if the listener just wants to take a picture of the potato crop and um, email it into the garden centre or email it, put it onto my Facebook account and I'll, I'll answer the question, question yeah, when I have a closer look at it. 
Great. Now, I got an Acer Osakazuki. Oh, yeah, very good. And need... <laughs> back I'm practicing that for the last <laughs> minute and a half. Sorry, I'll say it again. An Acer Osakazuki. <laughs> and need to repot it. What type of, sh- of soil should I get? And also, what would you recommend for a hydrangea feed? Okay, well, that's one of the Japanese maples. Yes. It's a beautiful variety of Acer, particularly in autumn. It produces fantastic autumn colour, lovely orange colour. Um, if you're repotting it, use a soil-based compost. So something like a John Innes compost is really good soil base put some slow release fertilizer into the mix as well you can repot them at this time of year so if the acer is in a large pot you can move it into a bigger pot or indeed plant it out into the garden if you wish make sure you keep it in a sheltered location they do the japanese maples like a sheltered spot and um, keep it well watered Okay, and uh, what would you recommend for feeding hydrangeas? Um, again, the uh, the Osmo Pro Six yeah. is fine. Uh, hydrangeas are very hungry plants, so the Osmo Pro needs. Six is fine. And as they come into flower, mm. they use copious amounts of water. So if you if we do get a dry spell during July, put the hose on the hydrangea every now and again just to keep it really well watered. Excellent. Um, now, best feed for pot plants. Also, would you have a good spray for lupins? They're being eaten. Well, I mentioned lupins before mm. about keep an eye on lupins for um, lupin aphid, which mm. is a fat, big aphid that attacks lupins. PY spray will, will get rid of it. Um, perfect for, for applying on lupins. Lupins as well, some of them are beginning to go to seed. So if you're lupin, some of the older flowers that may have been out three weeks ago, yeah. they're producing seeds. So cut those off. Remember to trim off any seed stems on the lupins that'll prolong the flowering it'll encourage the plant to reshoot again and reflower right so check your lupin plants if you see the production of seed Seed. heads along the spike cut those stems out obviously allow the young flower heads to come through keep them well fed so again a good liquid feed something like the osmo universal or miracle grower it's good liquid feed on them now to boost on some growth. So if their aphids are attacking them, put down the PY spray and remove any seed heads, but also feed them at this time of year and that'll prolong the flowering. You'll often get lupins to produce a second flush of flowers in August if you take off all the seed heads during the summer months. Final question. Can you help me? The snails have my rhubarb ruined. Pellets are no use <laughs> on. The snails are on the leaves and uh, things are not good. Well, look at a little bit of slug damage on there. Remember, you, what are you eating with the with the rhubarb? You're eating the stems of the rhubarb, yeah, not, not, not the, the foliage. Yeah. So a little bit of, of um, slug damage isn't going to damage the plant to any great extent. It's so vigorous. Um, look at the only, the, the slug liquid unfortunately is gone now. Well, it was never used on edible plants anyway. Um, so we're really, we're back to the, the pellets or going out at night time and putting down something like a beer trap or physically removing the snails okay. from the, the rhubarb. But a little bit of damage on the foliage is not going to damage the overall rhubarb crop. Sometimes they will attack the stems. They'll, they'll slice the stems or, or uh, eat the side of the stems mm. um, the, the rhubarb is still edible okay. still fine okay. it's well washed okay. so it's just, it's just rhubarb this time of just year just a bit unsightly yeah, that's all okay we're going to have to leave it there okay. thank you very much until next week until remember talk tomorrow Kieran Burke in the Turlock Garden Centre 3pm it's a free event and he's going to talk about organic gardening but also adding instant colour to your garden Brilliant. Porik, thanks indeed. Until next Saturday, for me, just after seven, uh, stand by Michael Neary on the way with Country Classics from 10 till 1 here on Midwest Radio. News on the way next with Angelina Nugent from me for the moment. Good morning.